You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So next week, Sid Talk, we're going to do our Halloween podcast. And uh, we're going to be reviewing the movie The Conjuring. Um, the, the discussion we were having, which is a horror movie, a new horror movie. Or The Conjuring for the American people. Yeah, so the, <laughs> so the discussion we were just having is what uh, scares you. Like, I was just saying to you, I was brought up Catholic. I'm not... I'm, well, it started was, we were talking about the beast from this movie. Yeah, which is the Kaiju. Kaiju. Which is like a big beast, a creature, a strange creature. Then the, in Japan, it's like a Godzilla. folklore thing. Right. Yeah. And but, that that's what scares culturally. It's one of those things. And I said, you said, what's the monster in like our culture? And I said, oh, like Satan. <laughs> yeah, the devil. An, an imaginary creature. <laughs> and that is the thing I remember. Being brought up as Catholic, I remember them telling you, you know, don't do this. Don't lie to your parents because you will go to hell. And you won't go to heaven, you'll go to hell. And I would ask questions like, so what happens if I do go to hell? Well, you will burn for all your entire, you know, you will always be burning. Who said these words to you? My grandma told me this. My school teachers told me this. I remember specifically asking when they say, you'll go to hell. Well, I say, what's bad about going to hell? You know, like, (laughs) why, why is that bad? And they would say... No, you will burn, and it's like burning forever. You will never stop burning, and you, the pain that's involved with burning will always be... I'm oh like, my okay, God. okay, then I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> so I will stick with your baloney religion for a while. Oh, my word. Anyway, I'm not a Catholic now. I was brought up a Catholic, <laughs> and then I saw the... Uh, what the hell is going on here? Would you be weird... more inclined now if somebody said, Oh, my God, there's like a... Like a mile-high creature that's just come up out of the ocean and we see it on CNN. That would shit you up. Like, you would believe it if you got enough evidence Yeah, that it was coming. If someone said, Satan has appeared and he's coming, you'd be like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It, maybe that is Satan. Maybe that's where it comes from. Grab these little pitchforks, stick it in his face. <laughs> Get rid of it. What do you imagine him, like, this big? Like, two yeah, inches tall? Little imp. And he's on fire. And he's, and he's red. Like, yeah. Talk like this. Yeah, pretty much. Little Nicky's pretty much it. Oh, that's how afraid you are. <laughs> I'm afraid of that movie. <laughs> and I have a little bit of trivia before we go on. And this is that was before the after the show discussion. This is my trivia section. It's very brief. But I was looking up because one of my recommendations is going to come out later. It's an older movie. I'm going about to say it, but. We think about correlations between movies now, and you said something about the special effects guy from way back in the day who did... Um, Harry... I can never say his second name. Hausen? Harry? Harry Hausen is his last name. Yeah, Harry Hausen. Right. And he's the stop-motion animator from the original Clash of the Titans. Right, and you said that's one of the first special effects movies, and I was like, no, because King Kong from 1933 is one of the first. So there's our first connection, special effects from Gone Way Back. And then I was looking up King Kong... And from the movie today, the noises that come out of the creatures are a combination of animal sounds that they've merged all together and twisted around and made him go backwards if you read about it. And the King Kong voice from 1933 is tiger and lion sounds mushed together and gone backwards. So as much as we move ahead, some of those old... stick to a tradition. Well, just, you know, it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. 
I remember when we saw Peter Jackson's King Kong in the extras. It actually explained about the um, he wanted to he even did the reverse uh, animal mm-hmm. noises because he just wanted to pay homage to the original, which you cannot you have to do, don't you, if you're remaking King Kong? You don't have to, but he did. You know, I think you have to. I mean, it's it's I don't such know an if they important did for the movie. The 70s one, I have to look at it. I bet they did. I don't know, but I don't know. That's what, my favorite. Special King effects Kong. weren't that good in that one. What was this movie? What are we talking about today? So, it is Saturday, October the 12th, 2013. This is after the show, number 296. Am I wrong there? You're looking... uh, Is that date right? October 12th just sounds like it should be something. It's something due, maybe. Maybe it was some... Oh, wait, mortgage payment. That's it. It is October the 12th. Yes. Um, But I was just thinking that date, and that's why, because the house payment is due. And the movie we're looking at this week is Pacific Rim, a big blockbuster from this summer. We it's a 2013 movie, obviously, and it was it's released on Blu-ray on the 15th of October, so that'll be this upcoming Tuesday. You can pick it up. It's uh, the Blu-ray, DVD, digital, ultraviolet copy combo pack. <laughs> That's catchy. That we're looking at, and Very it's catchy. a three-disc set, which we'll talk about the extras later. The tagline to the movie is: "To fight monsters, we created monsters." It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sid Talk, you give us a synopsis of Pacific Rim. Well, um, that was kind of it. But the the thing is, there is a rift between two universes. It's open at the Pacific Rim, which is where our greatest, I get plate tectonics thing happens on this planet. And through that rift is coming, or are coming, big, massive, monolithic... Is that the right word? Yeah. Monolithic? Yeah, like kind of like Shadow of the Colossus. That's the Gigant, first thing Yeah, these giant, what look like sea creatures slash alien deep sea things, whatever. And they're, of course, destroying big cities. And humanity comes together and creates these gigantic robots or tech. Really tech, aren't they? What are they called? Those games where you get inside of a big tech. Yeah, like Rock'em Suck'em Robots. That's what they were kind of like. Rock'em Suck'em Robots? Yeah. What are you talking about? Like the toys, Rock'em Sock'em Robots. You don't get inside a Rock'em Sock'em toy. You don't get inside? No, I'm talking about those one, those games where you get inside a mech. That's what it is. Oh, mech. Like a mech where yeah, you're inside I mean, it. Yeah. You're in the head. And there's two people. And then, of course, it's about destroying the creatures. And then there's some, like, daddy issue things going on. And revenge and loss and All right, so, hint of love. So, Paci- yeah. so Pacific Rim... Um, I've really been looking forward to this because I saw monsters and robots fighting. <laughs> I saw the trailer and I saw a monster and a robot fight. And there were, a, a, a robot flew into a bridge and the bridge fell over. And I was like, wow, that looks really cool. Because I love Transformers. Exactly. And I love Godzilla. So monsters and robots fighting looks... And I have to say, I, was ple- I, was, I, I really loved it. I loved it. I loved it except... Uh, but, no, I, this is what I want to say. Oh, right. So... I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Technically breathtaking imagery. It's unbelievable that we can even. How far digital effects have come? It's unbelievable, because this is like a fully realized monsters fighting robots, smashing down cities, and it doesn't look. It looks like that's happening, and I was watching it going, wow, like you know. From the from the old days of Godzilla, where you see like a man in a rubber suit like crushing a little model city, and it's quite obvious that's what's happening. Look at what's happening here. It's it's like almost too much to take in. It's it's insane. Now, 
As far as that goes, it's a two hour and ten minute movie. And the special effects, they're amazing and there's lots of them. You don't definitely don't get let down in the amount of action that's in the movie. No. Now, the peripheral parts around the action, which is our heroes that we're introduced to, and their, their kind of human stories, I was less interested in because... And I'll tell you why. And I think I understand what he, Del Toro was going for. I never say his first name because I always butcher it. Guillermo. So. Right. <laughs> That's why I always butcher it. So... I understand what he was going for. When he spoke in the extras, I got what he was going for. And he almost made me... Like, I I felt emotional for what he was saying. Because he was saying, Do you remember the monster movies you used to watch as a child? I just wanted to bring that back. Like, the feeling of watching a monster fight. When you're 12 years old. Or us be in peril and, and fight these monsters, you know? And it has to be simple, he said. To bring back that memory. Not too complicated. Quite simple. And he did that because what is a, a weak point, and it isn't a weak point, but it is if you're looking for some something mm-hmm. else. What you should really be looking for in this movie is monsters fighting robots, and you'll get that. But the actual human side to the story, it's stereotypical characters, really cardboard characters that I don't care about hardly at all. I care about the robot suit that they're fighting in, getting damaged more than the people inside it which is awkward when you're watching it and they're really stereotypical it's like very here's Russian people they look strong and they're robot and they've got blonde hair and everything about their robot is like looks yeah, like it's outdated strong, and yeah. it's old and it's rustier and it's like yeah mindless yeah it's power. very and, and it's very comic bookish like, and then the look. Japanese crew is like uh, red uh, ninja looking and yeah. it's very it's very like it's all stereotypes and, yeah and it's all stereotypes everybody in this entire thing and the thing is we thing. fully understand it yeah so it's it's very simplified down as though you're reading a comic book comic books aren't complicated at all Stan Lee no matter what people say about Stan Lee they say oh he writes all these awesome stories no they're very basic stories they're very stereotypical stories it's just that we relate to them because we like heroes the same here. True. But I don't relate to the to these characters. In fact, they're very... They're almost... Car- they're a cartoon. They... I don't... They've got bogus accents in this movie that I, I was... It was driving me crazy. Like, I knew I, it would. I know who the actors are and I know that that guy's British but he's speaking Australian. I know that guy's... Like, that always bugs me and it's rife in this movie. I mean, like I was... Everybody who opened the mouth, I was like, whoa, why, why is he doing an accent? He doesn't like, need to. He do, he was from Australia. Why not go to Australia? Yeah. The, the father, I think, is Australian. Why yeah. not get an Australian actor? Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff was driving me crazy, too. Yeah. And the only unique, the only thing that was, like, true was they chose a Japanese lady to be the Japanese lady and had her speak in Japanese, but then she spoke in English sometimes. I was like, no, just leave her speaking in Japanese. Oh, no, the English fine. is fine because she was... We know that yeah. our life panned out. That makes sense. So that was fine with me. Now I would have, I would have had her speaking more in Japanese because I really enjoyed when she did. Is what I was saying with the subtitles. But then again, that's not for. But general. it wasn't out of character. No, but there was a lot of it. The interpersonal relationship bit, which is like the middle of the film, and it's quite it. 
goes on a bit for me. <laughs> I just, I'm waiting for them to fire up the suit and go and fight. See, and me, when there's big, long fights, I'm like, that's spectacular, spectacular, okay, okay, it's okay, let's get on with some more story. And, you know, some people, you know, scientists in movies, let me also put this one. Oh, my God. So, if you're looking for a movie that shows scientists as not, not weird at all. No, if you're looking for a movie that shows scientists as intelligent, reasonable human yeah, beings. Yeah, that's what I mean. In this movie, they just show them as like these... <sighs> I don't even know what they are. Listen to both us both. Uh, it's yeah, ridiculous. I mean, I don't even know what they are, those two It's like guys. the two stupid characters from Transformers. It's it's almost like they're going to hit them... Like, one of them's going to pull a rubber frying pan out of his thing and slap the other one on the head with it. Like, like it, Three Stooges. Yeah, that's yes. what it feels like when, they, when they're acting together. I like... I like them both. You don't like one of no. them, but I like them both. I just think it, their, their characters were really dumb. Like, it was, literally. If you've seen the second Transformers movie, there are two... Horrible. Horrible racial stereotype um, Transformers that are just out of place completely in the movie. These two, it didn't have to be this. No, it could have been, like, interesting. And I know people like a laugh. And maybe I have no humor. Maybe I don't subscribe to that sense of humor. Like, just it's I just, don't. No, it's too basic for me. And it's like, you know, the the smart ass guy, the kind of you know the kind of trendy one with the with the tattoos on his arms. Ugh. I can understand that some people would think he's cool and that, that's cool, but his slapsticky whole thing was slapsticky. Even when he was getting serious about the technology and the science behind what he was doing, it was just silly. So, all that stuff aside, it's like fantastic summer action movie for me. Like, the, I just love seeing the cities getting smashed up. I mean, we've seen cities get smashed up. This, I was thinking, we saw Man of Steel this summer. Cities getting put, pummeled and, and we've seen it here. I've never seen it on this scale, I don't think. And this felt worldly to me. You know, when you say, like, some movies yeah. feel like they're just constrained. This, I, the opening sequence, like, the first five minutes, it's amazing because I didn't know what to expect. Like, I was like, oh, they're getting ready. There's two people in this. And then the head of the mm -hmm. robot gets put onto the body and then it launches into the sea. And I was like, wow, this is, I feel. You were like a 12-year-old boy. Yeah, so I understand. And when he talked about it in the extras, he just said that, like, um, I wanted it to be simple to understand and, you know, but pay tribute to those movies that we loved when we were kids. Um, and that he did, was successful. He did that. But it also is, uh, it's the worst part for me. Unfortunately, a lot of the dialogue, the, the, ugh, the idiot scientist is really distracting from what the best parts of the movie is the peril, the... The concept of this, you know, this connection between us and another universe. The magnitude of the potential hazard. Even though it's a used up story that creatures are going to come and do their thing and leave us Yeah, it's in not their new. Wake. It's no. borrowed from everything. But the way it's presented, and then all of a sudden, ugh, you get drugged down by this really bad... Like the, the tension between the Australian dude and his father, kind of lame. The tension between the two dudes, because it wasn't even over... Anything other than testosterone bullshit. Of it's course, I'm not going to go for that. It's very... Do you know what I kept getting a callback on in my mind when I was watching this movie? Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers is an amazing movie. 
But it had that. This had that campy kind of feel to it. But Star Trek Tro- Troopers does it well, and it knows it's being completely campy. Like it's being it's silly to a point. Even well, but they're, you know, they're making it, like, culturally how bizarre it would be if yeah. our culture turns into that. Whereas this is, like, our normal culture as we are in the next ten years. is It's, like, 2022 or something, isn't it? 2020. And then you've got on top of that these sort of ridiculous, eh, inappropriate... It's very Hollywood. They're the Hollywood, uh, you know, 2012, that movie we watched, has those people. Yeah. Like the like the where you kind of like why is this character even in there like the Woody Harrelson character yeah. for instance or what was another movie where we just hated the do oh the Resident Evil chick Resident Evil she did Three Musketeers remake and then there was that really dumb character that we were just like why is that character even in there oh yeah that was yeah. horrible it, that was really bad it's like. Somebody in Hollywood says, you have to have a dumb character. Because kids might be watching and they'll find it hilarious. Oh, no, no. You know what I think it is? You have to have a dumb character. Because there are a lot of dumb people out there. Or people who like dumb comedy. Or, like, don't want to... But what I mean is, if I was sat watching this with... (coughs) Say I have an eight-year-old son and we sit down and watch Pacific Rim, right? He would probably be laughing at that cool guy. Yeah, but what's the point? If the rest of the movie is supposed to be scary and spectacular, then why do you need it? Right, yeah. It doesn't really I, I don't think it should be there. No. And, but it is. Because he could have just toned... If he'd cut him his whole thing in half. His stupid... His voice to me was like this. And we're talking about Charlie Day from... Um, Ugh, it's horrible. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And then Owen from the other... <laughs> I call him Owen because that's what we've seen before. And he does the over-the-top like Victorian scientist... You know what guy. I feel happened? I feel somebody said to the actor... Who plays Owen from Torchwood. Torchwood. They said to him, you've got a very posh British accent. Can you make it even more posher and make make sure you sound like you're from like 200 years ago as well? I don't think they said that to him. No, I'm just being sarcastic. I'm saying that that is how it sounds. That's how he, that's almost like the thing that he's going, okay, like I'll do that. Like, so he sounds like. He's from Mary Poppins, but he also he's, he's got a cane. It's kind of weird, like it's yeah, like limps around at what first, we think and British then he's not limping are. later. No, it's weird. Yeah, it's very poor. Yeah, and that really drags those moments down for me. I dread when I see them flash onto the screen. I'm like, ugh. But it, and there's a whole subplot in the middle of the movie that involves these two characters, uh, more so mm-hmm. the Charlie Day character than the other one, but. It's a subplot that, to me, was going on for way too long. I kept thinking, oh, we're we really still doing this? Yeah, but it was a big part of the resolution. Obvious, obviously a big part of the story, but I was like, we don't. he doesn't need that much... They don't need that much screen time at all. Like, it's... It's... Like, they took, there's a big comedy section in the middle, and it involves Hellboy and the, this dude. Mm-hmm. And it's... It feels a bit out of place to me. It feels a bit light-hearted. In this, there's this thing coming, and they're kind of like making jokes. Is that jokes. why Hollywood thinks there's a formula that has to be engaged? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the other big movies don't do and that. And it works, it works perfectly well in Hellboy, because when you start watching Hellboy, you kind of know... And Hellboy's got a lot of tongue-in-cheekness to it. it may, it's woven in just right. Yeah, it's, and we know it's like a comic book, and we know that Hellboy's going to be funny and is also going to be in great danger but maybe say something silly at the same time. It makes sense there, but this... In here, there was monsters inches away from this and they're having a joke with each other. It's like, oh, no, stop that. 
But anyway, aside from the negative stuff, the special effects, the actual idea, I felt these big robots and that I liked the idea of how the pilots pilot the robots. And it's it's kind of a convoluted way that they pilot the robots. Convoluted? The dr- the drift and the. Oh, that was really straightforward. No, I mean it's it's not it's not as straightforward as they just sat in the head yeah. of a robot steering it with levers. There's this psychic link that goes on, and I'm saying it's convoluted because I don't want to explain it in detail because you'll you'll it gets explained in the movie pretty quickly. But um, I like the idea of that. I like the idea. I like the visual of the two people mm-hmm. steering the because it makes sense to you when you're watching it. Oh, that's happening. That's happening. So I can see the simple. Like let's have it simple. And the robots fighting these monsters. The monsters were amazing because they, the monsters take on, like, part of our, like one might be a little bit like a fish. One might be a little bit like a lizard. Yeah, they're all very oceanic. And they give looking. them they give them like code names because that one's got like what do you say like knife nose or something. They got they got names, but they've all got like a distinctive. They're not all the same. There's different categories of these. The bigger, the higher the category. Like a hurricane. Yeah. Or a tornado. They're quite scary, I thought, when they were coming up. And I was like, "What? we're absolutely effed. There's no... <laughs> if that happened, you know. And I like the idea of that, too. You know, aliens. The whole backstory of aliens. Not co- like we expect. Oh, they're going to come from the sky and they're going to terrorize us or whatever. But no, they're asleep under the sea. They're not. They're coming through a rift. Yeah, I know, but he said, like, they come through this rift, and then they, there's the watchers that he, he said that, that, that are just making... They're like a... They're around the rift, and they just sit there, and they wait, and they're... I don't know. Every so often, are they coming up and having a look? He said they were called the watchers. Mm. There's, there's a whole... They know what we're up to, and then when, when the planet's ready to take over... Right, because they're in another universe completely. Right. And this yeah. is just a tunnel. True, to but the there's universe. these ones called the Watchers that sit around the tunnel, he said, and they waited until we'd, like, effed up the ozone Oh, they layer. came once, we were yeah. doing the dinosaurs, and it wasn't True. right, so now they've come back. Yeah, but there's there was ones called, he said, there was uh-huh. Watchers, because uh, they have to know when to come back, I guess, so they, they left some here. I like the idea of that, that they're there, waiting, and then they just come. Um, and the idea that... W- you know, it's not a new idea that we screw the world up so then we don't deserve the Earth. They can take it. Like, <laughs> it's not new. But it's interesting because it's kind of topical, isn't it? That what we do to the Earth. Yeah, I think that just felt tagged on, that little line. But um, I I think spectacular and I really had fun with it. It's really a fun movie. It is fun. It's just that I still have the sting of the the horrible bits. And to me, they're horrible. The lines that are bad... The moments that oh, are this isn't acting. this hasn't got good acting to be honest. The girl's really good. The young lady's really good. The little girl is fantastic. Is the best thing in the whole entire movie. But it's not an acting movie. Well, that isn't fair to say because other big action movies have fantastic performances. So there's no reason to have really choppy, like you say, cardboard, stereotypical. And it's almost like one take wonders here. I have a feeling a lot of them are dun dun dun. We're good move on and there's no nuances other than she does the British guy he kind of loses his British accent sometimes the sergeant guy or whatever the general guy her father figure guy yeah 
Sometimes he sounds completely American. And, and he's I'm very like, British, yeah. Idris Elba. And then sometimes and it slips out, and I'm thinking, is he supposed to be British? Because to- he's totally British sometimes. It doesn't make sense, really. No. He does the rousing speech that he, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the stereotypical rousing speech. And it was not good. Not rousing to me. It wasn't, um, it felt okay, but it wasn't. Let's cancel the Armageddon was the yeah, end of it, his rousing It's not Independence speech. Day's speech. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or Braveheart, I think, would be one uh, that people yeah. liked. It's funny that my benchmark is Independence Day speech. <laughs> it's not like, that's not the top one, right? That's just sort of a... That's I, the one I remember that is quite moving at the time. Like, you know, everybody's got to come together and, you know... It's a good speech. And this one's brief. It's brief. In fact, I thought after he'd done the speech, wow, that's really short. But then I was like, that's fine, because I didn't want a long speech. <laughs> let's get to the robots. Let's get on Yeah, with let's it, get yeah. in the robots. So, yeah, there's definitely problems with this movie. Loads of problems. But as it comes off, and I'm recommending a movie this week, and I'm not recommending a movie in, in the movie recommendations. I had put a third movie on the end. I'm not recommending this movie because it's good, but <laughs> I file this movie that I'm about to say under the same category as Pacific Rim, and it's Battleship from last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. T- it's got the same corny acting, but really good special effects. Interesting story. And an interesting story. And I feel like you could have a double bill of them both and they feel similar. And I think L.A. Skyline. Skyline L.A. Skyline. No, just Skyline. Skyline is another one that it's not great. Skyline's a little less um, But it looks amazing. I mean, the concept, again, you know, invading aliens and it's from a different point of view. So things that have weaknesses are fine. But when the weakness is so distracting that you want to actually take the movie, get it on your computer, edit them out... And then just watch, just watch the big action sequences, and then the little girl in the alley. But Battleship that we watched last year, it's the it's exactly the same. It's you're watching it, and you're like, this is kind of bad, isn't it? It's bad. People are acting bad. <laughs> yes. But then the action happens, and you're like, wow, this is I really like this. And look then look at that creep. Look at that alien. And then you're like, that. oh, here's a really shitty subplot. There's a shitty subplot in Battleship that I was like, oh god, please stop doing this now. I want to see more of the aliens. But then it gets back to the action, yeah. and you're like, wow, I'm really having fun. And then when it's finished, you're like, well, that was really fun. But I can remember all these bad shit things, too. It's the si- This is exactly the same as that. You know, or movies like Armageddon. It's the <laughs> but, same. But you, you, you love Armageddon. The funny thing about Armageddon is it's full of bad... Uh, you know, it's stereotypical. It's But not bad acting. But once it's over, I don't... I, I just feel like the good times rather than the whole... Exactly. And then with Pacific Rim, unfortunately, what's flashing through my brain is the idiot boy with the thing on his head. And then the idiot boy with the thing on his head. And him trying to be the focus of attention every time he's got the camera on him. And it's really annoying to me. There was one funny line from him. I'm like, he's so self-important. Where he was talking to Hellboy and he said, "Have have you done that? And he said, and he looked in his eye and he said, I've done it a little bit. You know, the thing. Yeah. I actually thought that was a funny line. And I wasn't enjoying his character, but I did. <laughs> and his eye was kind of a bit screwed up, and he was like... And that will become apparent when you watch the movie. But So it's not all bad, but most of that is bad. He's mostly 99% bad. Yeah, and I, I don't know who he is. I don't watch that show. I've never seen that guy before. He's, like, new to me, and I'm sure he, people love him because that show's so popular. And you call Guy Hellboy, I call him the Beast, because he's yeah. Beauty and the Beast to me. Or... And for some reason, I skip over Hellboy, which I really love Hellboy movies. And I think of um, Alien 4. <laughs> and I don't know why. Resurrection, because he's in that, isn't he? he and is, I don't yeah. know why I think of Beauty and the Beast 
an alien resurrection. So moving on to the cast here, we've got Charlie Hunnam who plays uh, Rally Beckett. He's our hero. Um, he's a British uh, actor. He's, you'll, you, if you watch TV, you'll know him from Sons of Anarchy. Um, and he's British, if you didn't know. He's very British, but if you can find him being British anywhere, uh, in interviews or anything, I, I defy you to find him. And why it. couldn't he be British in this? We don't need an American <laughs> hero. We don't need everybody Perhaps American. he's been in Sons of Anarchy so long, he can't Because this movie made me feel, and as I'm watching... International, I'm, right? Yeah, I'm con... I'm, the idea. I don't know if I should be aware of it constantly, but I'm feeling like... You know, it's fairly representative. You get a lot of different things going on. And then here's this British guy who's not allowed to be British. I just find it... And then there's a British guy who has to be Australian. And then there's a British guy who has to be super British. Like, stupid British. Like, oh, hello, by Oh, exactly. Exactly. And then there's the one British guy who's like, kind of... Maybe sometimes he's British. It's very bizarre. Yeah, so Charlie Hunnam... I like him, but like I said, I didn't really care about him at nope, all. Like, I didn't care at all. I mean, and he's our hero. I cared about the beginning part where he's in the thing with his brother. I cared about it there, but I kind of lost interest in him. I was more interested in just seeing the robots take off again. Um, then we've got Rinko Kikuchi as Mako Mori. She's my favorite thing in the movie. She's amazing. I love um, female hero heroines. People. Because I know one of your recommendations. True. Just right at that alley. Um, and I like this woman, and I was kept saying it to myself, I know who she is, I've seen her before. And I was right, she's in the movie Babel, and there's a whole section, it's three movies in one Babel. And she's the... Just three? Yeah, there's just three stories kind of woven together. It's a bit like A Place Beyond the Pines. Because they fit together yeah. somehow. Um, and she, the Japanese portion of that movie, she's the main lady in there. And I loved that. In fact... That's my favourite part of that Babel movie. She was like a girl then. She's yeah, she a was. Teenage yeah. girl. Um, she's great in this. I, she really is. From she's the moment the most, she comes on the screen with the umbrella. Most I mean, I was convincing, like, most emotional, um, appropriately emotional, and appropriately everything. React. I mean, I think the people when they were acting against or opposite her got better. Yeah. And then when they were when the dudes were with each other, they were crappy. And then when they were up against her, they were better. And I did think it was cool that they didn't sex her up at all. No, not at all. In fact, there was every opportunity for her to be in some spandex bodysuit, but they just did not do that. Uh, even when she was fighting... Should we even give people credit for that? No. That's how it should no, be. No, we shouldn't give them credit. So we're not giving them so credit So she was more shit. believable to me, because she was not, um, you know, Superwoman or whatever, like in a suit. Like from your recommendation. Right, so... Sauced up. Um, Robert... Kaczynski plays Chuck Hansen, and we know Robert is one of our... Uh, we watch EastEnders, a British soap opera, and he's a... Oh, that's him? Yeah. He, he was... Um, what was he called in EastEnders? Sean. Sean, yeah. Um, and we've seen him recently in True Blood. If you watch True Blood, you'll have seen Wallow in True Blood. <laughs> that's him. He's British. He's British also, but not in this movie. <laughs> He's but he wasn't British in that either. It's part time he was, part time he got to yeah. be British, part time he got. To it be. made sense in True Blood though, because we were like, "What?" And then, "Oh, okay." Right. But in this, he's and seriously, I had a hard time telling between South African or Australian. And I know it's supposed to be Australian, but it was really hard. It was Cockney occasionally. It was weird. His accent, and we've talked about accents too much. I do like the guy. Occasionally. Yeah, but he was very. It was. Um, very male-oriented, uh, yeah. Machismo. I'm pissed off, and I'm gonna. I'm cocky, and I'm I've got a dog. <laughs> Look, and that 
means nothing. No. It's not even like there's a moment where the dog dies or the dog no. saves or the dog anything. I have it's a cute just, dog. I'm and you're hot. supposed to, I guess you're supposed to infer that he's been so lonely his whole life because his mother's dead that he has to have this dog who's so important to him. So when he has to say goodbye to the dog, it's a big deal. And it was I'm just not going, a big deal, was it? I was like, why okay, do we have a dog, dog in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's, this is not Turner and Hooch. <laughs> like, like. Well, the dog doesn't drive the mech. No, the, the dog's not in robot. the second seat doing the other arm. <laughs> Maybe that would be better. <laughs> or to all of a sudden have this dog-shaped robot come jumping out, and then inside is the little. Dog. That's the sequel. Because <laughs> the dog's all right, right? So there's the sequel. So Idris Elba, who normally plays like serious roles, and yes, they put him in the authoritative uh, commander kind of role here. Um, it's nothing special. No. I liked him back. I like him a lot. I like him in Prometheus. I um, like him, yeah. I definitely like him, but he was just... It slipped in It's out. very um, Keith David being the president or whatever. That thing. He's doing that. <laughs> you know, like in... Yeah. It's just... You're the, you're the authoritative dude. Be authoritative and be pissed off at people when they don't do what you tell them to. And that's it. Yeah, really. be intimidating, but with a soft candy core. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, so if you like him, you'll like the fact that he's here. That's I like cool. looking at him. Ron Perlman is Hannibal Chow. It's this. He's old, the Beast from he, Beauty and the Beast from Hellboy, the 1980s. I like to call him. He's Hellboy, which I love Hellboy movies. And you know, he's he's doing the Ron Perlman thing. The, Obnoxious. It's um. Fucker. Yeah, they've made him like a cartoon character. Yeah. He's very again another disappointing portions for me. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous what he is because they give him the brief you're this sleazy fucker who makes money off of these creatures selling their body parts on the black market and then in his mind he creates this cartoony like a a pimp almost yes yeah drug dealer pimp but future and his name is hannibal chow and he says though i've made up my name after my favorite what, something movie character and favorite Chinese restaurant? Trouble is with him, right? He's supposed to be intimidating because when they, you know... But they're goofy. But he's not intimidating, is he? In fact, there's a part where Goofy Dude has stole his walkie-talkie. Yeah. And if this guy was intimidating, he'd have just killed him. They're like three students But he's like, he's like behind him going, can I have that back? Can I have that back? And I was like, why don't you just smack him over the head? Like, you're supposed to be Mr... Yeah. Mr. Tough Guy, like, where you're asking think, for it back. I think now I'm realizing I'm... <laughs> I'm, we're skirting on the line here again of, no, they're not committing. We're not committing to be a no. gritty, horrible, the world's about to end kind of movie or a campy Starship Troopers kind of, there's a threat, but we're going to like amp it up with a lot of injected. And it is a bit of both li- of those. And it's right on the middle because the monsters and the fighting, thousands and millions of people are dying. Yep. Cities are being destroyed and it looks that way. It's not hidden from you. It's... Huh. There's not a lot of I mean, it's not gore, gore no, no, but your your brain should be registering this. And then you get the couple of stooges. We always get two stooges at a time, but put them together. Put the beast and the scientists together and you'd have a three stooges episode. I love that one shot where the robot's running through the city and the camera comes from behind and you realize that he's got a whole container ship in his hand yeah, yeah. as a weapon. I was like, <laughs> And then the scale kind of, like, you go... Holy Ugh, crap, I know how big a ship is. That's insane. Like, your brain can't process the scale. Not though. always, can That's it? what... The, one of my least favorite things in the movie is it's mostly at night. In the sea. And in the water. And I want... Like where Transformers takes us right down the middle of a busy highway in the middle of the day. And my brain completely comprehends 
what this would look like if I was on the highway in the middle of the day. This hides that from me a little bit. So even yeah. though I, I grasp it... I think it hides the scale a little bit because when they're in the sea and there's no surrounding anything... Yeah, there's no reference you No, know, you're just it. like, oh, well, we know the sea's big. They make the sound and the waves feel right. Yeah. As if something humongous has fallen in the water. But I still need... Maybe from the up from up here, I need to be looking down and then see like a building or a little... Well, there was a boat. But don't get us wrong. It. It's awesome. Oh, it is it's awesome. It's a sight yeah, yeah, to yeah. behold, the whole thing. It's just your brain has a hard time getting around it. And it does venture into the city and it is kind of insane that when they're just smacking through buildings. And, it, you know, it goes... It's pretty epic, the part where he's got the boat. I think that would be a good use for the virtual reality thing, too. I've, this is my second invention, my genius invention for uh, virtual reality, is that you get in the virtual world, and it's just, by the time they've fixed it, so it's really realistic, and then be able to see things that are absolutely gigantic. Like and, be inside this movie, almost. And Yeah, and you, f- you can feel the enormity of it somehow, you know, up against, like, a giant... Godzilla or King Kong or something and you're standing right there and it's like because you can stand next to a huge building and I have maybe not the biggest yeah, building yeah I feel that it's huge yeah. but you don't even because you look up and you're, everything gets tiny and it's far away and you can grasp like up to here kind of and then after that you don't you don't feel it so Charlie Day is uh, Dr. Newton Gizia and yeah he's the comedy guy which we I'm not fond of at all and Bern Gorman is Gottlieb, which is the other stupid... Um, Owen stupid from film. Torchwood, if you watch Torchwood. Yeah. And then finally I put down, and this is the standout of the entire movie, the best actor in the entire movie, it's um, Mina Ashida, and she plays young Mako. And she's actually been in a lot of movies and TV shows in Japan. She's amazing. She's got a big list and of And all stuff. she did was cry. And be scared. But I she bought was, it. Oh my god, it. I was like, so tears it, coming out of my eyes. So it's a flashback scene of young uh, Mako. And it's... She's a little girl. And she's amazing. Afraid and running and crying. and Yeah, I never thought... I wasn't watching it going, oh, child actor, they're making a... No, I was like, oh wow, she's really professional. I was a little <laughs> bit afraid that, of why she was good to, at crying. But then I just put that out of my mind. Because I know in the past... I thought on the extras... parents have told their children actors horrible things oh, yeah, yeah. to make them cry. So I just put that out of my mind. I thought it was really funny on the extras because she's obviously Japanese and probably doesn't speak English. And she's got a translator with her, which could be a mother for all I know. I don't know. And Del Toro, seem like it, Del Toro comes up and he's saying some stuff. And I could see her looking. And she was like, oh, he's saying stuff. Well, he's pointing and she's but like then he, shaking he, her head. But then he put his hand there to do a fist bump. And she did the fist bump. And then you saw her face. She was like excited. Like, you know, <laughs> like, um, wow. He's Mr. Director guy. He's giving me a fist bump. Like, I must, I must have been all right, you know. Because, I mean, even kids must feel like, is this good? I don't know. Oh, a bit more than grown-ups <laughs> even. But yeah. she was, the to me, the highlight performance of the whole movie. So it's directed by? Guillermo del Toro. And uh, he also directed Hellboy. Yeah. Pan's Labyrinth. You know what? It, Never seen Pan's Labyrinth. No, and I still haven't, and I hear everything good. We should see it. Okay. Blade 2, which actually is my favorite Blade movie. I like that one the best. Yeah. Hellboy 1 and 2. I like Hellboy 2 a lot more than 1. I think it was... I like the baddie really well in the second one. Remember that baddie, the that blonde hair guy? Right. I really love the idea of that. 
Um, I like them all. I just like the story of Hellboy 2 a lot better. I just thought the Golden Army it was called. To me, Hellboy and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, they all kind of fall in that same sort of outside the realm of the Iron Man and the Superman movies. Superman and Iron Man movies. But they're better to me, and I don't know why. I just... I don't know. They're a little more quirky and weird, and I really I didn't like the endings of them. I don't think, but I like them. And next, he's doing Hellboy three in the theaters, yes. but he's also doing for Marvel uh, their new TV show, which comes out in two thousand and fourteen, and that's the Incredible Hulk TV show. So, it could, <laughs> the Incredible Hulk has this checkered past, doesn't it, with Marvel? It does, and he has a checkered a little bit too, because he has. As detailed and as in love as he is with all of his projects, he lets things like these horrible fucking doctor guys, scientists, come through and not realize. Uh, I the, don't think the he thinks that. I think he, I know what I'm saying. He yeah, doesn't realize no. from a different point of view. I could see the. Um, I could see what he would do with Incredible Hulk. I could kind of see it, and I think it'd be. Well, I'll mention Marvel Agents of Shield later, but. I can imagine it'd be very similar to that in the tone of it, you know? Like, suitable for everybody, kind of vanilla, middle-of-the-road type deal. Like The Incredible Hulk was. True. So, um, Blu-ray extras, and there are quite a lot. I would give this, like, like a really high marks for Blu-ray extras, uh, and I didn't even realise until I opened the box, because the discs are stacked on top of each other. There's actually a separate disc underneath the Blu-ray disc that's full of special features. So, on the main disc... You get the movie, and then you get an hour's worth of focal points, as Warner Brothers call them. And they're really good. They're not these shitty ones that we see. They're, it's Del Toro talking about it. It's on-the-set stuff. And there's an hour's worth of it. And then if you put the other disc in, uh, they don't even mention it all on the back of the box. There's kind of so much of it. But there's deleted scenes, which are all right. There's no, a gag reel. They're completely pointless. Yeah, there's a gag reel, which is... Interestingly enough, about the deleted scenes, I was reading an interview with him on the web just now, and he cut an hour out of this film because there was a lot more character development. Oh, that could have helped incredibly. And he, and he took he wanted it to be more simple and less bogged down with all that. So there's an hour of the movie removed. Now the deleted scenes we get about four minutes worth. So maybe there'll be a director's cut or something later. Well, it wouldn't be a director's cut because he thinks that this is better why it might be. though it's not that big of a big, big but what I mean is there's an hour's worth of footage somewhere that what doesn't what I'm saying is why would this movie get any special editions it's not that big a deal I don't know there's all kinds of movies that do if a later date they go oh well there's all this other footage we could make a different you know remember Daredevil why did that get like an extra director's cut version it did and it was better remember mm-hmm. the director's cut of Daredevil is way better than the theatrical cut um, but yeah there's a lot of extras here um, he's very famous for having a, a director's notebook during a production of a film. And there's a digital version of that notebook here. Um, it's in Spanish, so you won't be able to read it if you don't speak Spanish. But there's lots of little click things that you can click. And you get video and... Still photos. Yeah. And then there's um, the digital artistry of Pacific Rim, if you're interested in how the special effects were done. And then on the first disc, there's also the audio commentary with the director, which I will be listening to this week. Because I I listened to his director commentary on Mama, and he's really interesting to listen to. 
think he could probably... It's because, like I said, he's in love with his projects. He really is. Like, he really believes in them, which I like about a director. Even if I'm not... Even if I don't love everything about it, I totally get behind that he's... I would like to have a conversation with him and say, let's watch the scene together with these two idiot scientists. And let me tell you how crappy it is. But he would probably still stand by it. You know what I mean? So I like that. There's a really awesome lenticular cover on this Blu-ray, too. I was just looking at it. And you look at it one way, it's the... um, Kaiju. You look at it the other way, it's the Jaegers. So, whichever you like, they're both there. And I would give this like a 10 out of 10 for extras because a commentary, another disc, and an hour's worth of focus points is pretty much all you need to know about this movie. I agree. Um, So, in conclusion, Pacific Rim, is it a hit or a miss? What is it? I think it's a great, spectacular summer spectacle. Maybe not spectacular. Is it summertime? Was it summer? It came out in summer. All right. <laughs> like, it's October the 12th. Um, I think you should balance it out, though. It's, you know, I, I would need some... I would watch this first, then watch something that I would have more... If you like... Quality. Like, for me, story I, I like monsters it. and robots. I got... I feel like I got my money's worth out of I would of follow this up with something like Aliens. Aliens. Not alien, necessarily. Something where the the characters are all caricatures again, and yet there's something better about it. And it's huge action and alien and all that stuff. But yeah, I I, I can watch this again. <laughs> Me too. I'm I could, that actually. into the the premise of robots fighting. You know, it's simple. <laughs> it's very simple. And I love Transformers, but Transformers is robots fighting robots generally. I just like the idea of these alien monsters and, you know, the fact that they're kind of squidgy and the acid comes out of them and all that yes yeah I think that's kind of different I do like that they had that the phosphorescence because you think well that's just a lot of people don't even know that exists on this planet that animals actually have glowy shit going on at the bottom of the ocean well these these creatures are from another universe but if you think about something that might live in the depths of outer space, well, if you don't have a lot of light where you live, that's definitely a possibility. they got the acid blood, like alien, all kinds of weird shit going on. Um, so, yeah, I recommend it. I, if you like a big Hollywood blockbuster summer spectacle, this is yeah. the one for you. Uh, next week's Blu-ray review will be The Conjuring. So that will be our Halloween movie. Or The Conjuring, as we like to Depending say Depending on which America. area of the world you're from. Um, so well, we... it is an O, so it's not a conjuring. A conjuring. But I understand. It's conjure. To conjure up something. Correct. <laughs> or cor- correct. So we will be uh, watching that one next week. So that will be our like horror movie. Well, we've actually... The Purge last week you could probably count as a horror-ish. Yeah. But this, would... one's, this one's definitely a horror movie. And we will be watching it, and that'll be our Halloween. Okay, we ever watch something really horrific, like something. Really we watched The Exorcist last year for Halloween. Yes, that's fine. How do we know? You don't even see this movie. I don't know if it's horrific. It looks kind of creepy to the cover. I thought The Purge would also be a little bit horrific, but it wasn't. So I'm just holding my breath <laughs> until next week. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested. So. That's The Conjuring next week. Uh, the movie game. Movie year. What is this game? Movie year. I say a movie. You dig in your brain. And either because you know it or because you can place it, you tell me what year it was made. All right. So mine on the theme of Mr. Del Toro. <laughs> I noticed. Um, Guillermo Del Toro. Blade. 
Two. Hmm. I'm going to say 2000. Very close. 2002. Oh, and I'm going to say Raging Bull. Raging very sim- Bull. Very similar movies. <laughs> I'm going to say 1972. Oh, really? Yeah. Dig a little deeper. No, I'm just... A little shallower. I only, only have one answer. 1980. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I didn't think that either. Why did I think it was... I because think it's it was black around, and white. No, and it's... around Taxi Driver's time. When, mm-hmm. Yeah. When was Taxi Driver? That was 74. Yeah, I was thinking it was around... that they, He did mm-hmm. those really close together. All right. Why was why that one? Raging oh, Bull? you already have a list, don't you? I have a list made up in their alphabetical order, so apparently I'm on the R's. All right, so... I don't connect them to the weekly movie. <laughs> so movie recommendations for this week. I am going with three of them. One of them I mentioned before, and that's Battleship. I'm not saying Battleship's an amazing movie, but it's very similar to Pacific Rim. I think if you like this one, you'd like that one, if you didn't see it. Um, I actually liked it, and I don't know if I liked it like, oh, this is a great movie, but it felt really it's, creative and in a weird way... It's fairly Satisfying, dumb. yeah, but the, the aliens... And the special they look effects good. Got yeah, me. really good. Yeah. Rihanna shooting a gun at, at them. Ugh, couldn't care less. <laughs> that, that might have been. That's what I'm saying. There's some dumb parts. <laughs> yes. That um, my other one is uh, Sucker Punch, which of is that's this is by Legendary Pictures, Pacific Rim, and Sucker Punch is also by Legendary Pictures. Legendary is bold, I think. Yeah, with they their really movie are. Choices. Um, and Sucker Punch is. Like a male fantasy, right? <laughs> um, it's dragons and ninjas and it's all that stuff thrown into one big visual treat. Um, oh, and let's not forget the mostly naked girls. Right? Yeah. Oh, Female yeah, that just, that just slipped your mind, did it? No, I was just thinking of all the things <laughs> the in The baby movie. doll dressed girls and their tight things and their high like Japanese schoolgirls. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, but really it's all about the... the no, I'm just stuff. saying it's all... It's like this. It's like a visual feast, but it's it's not limited to one idea, Sucker Punch, because it's, True. it's a kind of mind-bending thing. Uh, and my other one is Godzilla, and I'm actually talking about the Matthew Broderick Godzilla, which most people think is a terrible movie. Um, Why do you think it isn't? It is? Right, oh, okay, let me say. If you watch it now... And I've watched it in the last few years when it was on. It is very much like Pacific Rim. It's got really dumb stuff in it. Stupid comedy moments and very daft one-liners. But the actual Godzilla terrorizing the city is really good. And the way they portray it is really good from the beginning where they show you the footprint on the beach. Yeah. And how it kind of comes slowly and then all the shit is the fun. And it's Roland Emmerich who's the Independence Day 2012 dude who made that movie. Um, Godzilla's getting a remake next year. Uh, a reboot or whatever they call it. Let's not call it that. Um, and I can ima- I think a 2014 version of Godzilla, having seen Pacific Rim now, could be something really special. I'm really excited to see... But after you've seen Pacific Rim, and then you see a Godzilla, if Godzilla is as big as these creatures, right. we have no chance. No. Unless they build giant robots, in which case it's Pacific Rim. So next year we're going to see a new Godzilla, which I'm actually interested to see because I do like the idea of Godzilla. Actually, Godzilla. You mean because of the nuclear radiation yeah. making a creature yeah. huge? Yeah, I think it's a good story. Why is King Kong big, by the way? 
Now, in some versions of King Kong, he's on an island where everything is giant, and in other versions, he's the only giant thing. Yeah, that's the only... Yeah, I mean, in Peter Jackson's no version, there's dinosaurs on the island. It's really weird. <laughs> well, that... dinosaurs are big. So I guess the idea is something went on where they were able to grow big. Yeah, that island is really bizarre in um, Peter Jackson's King Kong, isn't it? I blocked it out because I didn't like it. There's T-Rexes fighting with him and stuff. It's crazy. Was it T-Rex? Yeah, there's like a, two T-Rexes fighting with King Kong at one point. There's like a whole wow. big special Wow, you know what? Fight. I totally don't believe... I don't, I'm don't. i thinking to myself, are you sure there's dinosaurs on there? Yeah, there is, totally. It's, I've seen it twice and I don't remember the dinosaurs. I think I'm I found it really bizarre when I was watching it and I was like... Whoa. I do remember Jack Black running from something. Like this. Well, that was like King Kong. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> like a cartoon character. Because he was a cartoon character in that, wasn't he? Like the old yes. filmmaker. Yes. Yeah. I didn't like that movie. Because it had a lot of that funny stuff, like trying to be kind of campy and like old-fashioned-y, like old-timey. Very. And the idea of a giant beast... I mean, we did I the, like seven, it, the 70s version is just perfect to me. I like because... the ending of it best. <laughs> I don't mean because it's over. I mean, <laughs> I, I I think the last 20 minutes was really spectacular, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Mm-hmm. I think he did it really well. Once it got to the city, I really liked it. But a lot of that island stuff, I could leave alone. Like it's... The relationship crap. I mean, nobody does it as good as Jessica Lang, so let's just give up even trying. So they're my uh, recommendations for this week. Godzilla, Sucker Punch, and Battleship. And Battleship and Godzilla, they're probably two of the worst movies ever, but I'm recommending them anyway. Go on. They have enough good to make them that. And mine are um, King Kong from 1933. Only because I think if you go back and check out where cinematics... Now that is not even the beginning of cinematic special effects. That started when movies started. Like 1890s and the teens and the tens of 1900s, but I think that one of the bigger spectacles of Even its like day... Even like Harold Lloyd and Charlie Chaplin and all that. Those weren't a lot special of special effects. Those were stunts. There was some though, weren't there? Those were stunt movies. Whereas special effects is like Man of the Moon. Obviously, I think if people have ever heard of that. And then King Kong from 1933. And just think about the innovation that happens in the last hundred almost years. I think that's kind of interesting. Oh yeah, because look at Pacific Rim. Go and look at King Kong from 1933 and then look at the cutting edge of today's thing, which which would be this. I don't know Pacific Rim. I don't know. Or Avatar. Just look at something cutting edge, like, you know? Yeah, I guess Pacific Rim because it mixes real life built sets. Yeah. We forgot to mention that. Man. A lot of it's actually real life stuff they built. The gimbal that they're on is a real, where the whole big giant set rocks and shakes yeah they and stuff. made the head of the robot essentially right and in king kong in 1933 they had a model that was 24 inches high yeah and it was covered with weird materials and had a skeleton and, and if they you move this arm too much it fell off and yeah you move of... it like one little thing at a time and i just think that's an interesting go back and then you appreciate things more i think and then i'm going to say hellboy movies i think i've already talked about them because i just think they're fun i like the characters and of course, one of your favorites, because this movie made me think of Armageddon, in that there's a, we've got to rouse the world together a little bit to to conquer this foe, I think Pacific, and it's cheesy. I think Pacific Rim, did, I was just thinking then, did a good job of not, there's no build-up, it's happening. That's as, true. As soon as it starts, it's happening, like it's, there's no... 
something's going to happen. Suspense, suspense, yeah, suspense. Yeah, but I like it's, that. It's, it's too... I like something's going to happen, something's going to happen. Yeah, I, I like the way this or, too. let's see the world and our characters as they are, and then, ba-dum, we've got a threat. I do like that, because you know what? It helps you connect to those Battle, characters a little Battleship bit Battleship did that, right? A little bit. It was the, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. Oh, what's this? <laughs> like, it was, it was a... You know, here's right, the and where you're trying to get to know the people yeah. a little bit better, yeah. But I still don't feel like I know any of them. <laughs> so, um, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I've only been playing uh, two games. The first game, and Sid Talk can talk about this, and we're going to play some more of it tonight, I assume. What do I have to talk about it? Beyond Two Souls, which is, if you remember, a couple of years ago, there was a game called Heavy Rain that I talked about. It was one of my favorite games of that year. Um, David Cage makes these games. It's like a... Some people don't call them a game. Some people call them an interactive movie. Interactive experience, really? Yeah. So, so Beyond Two Souls, I've mentioned it because they showed off at E3 this year. And it's the game that I mentioned that stars Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe. And it's a story of... It takes place over 15 years of a girl's life. And I didn't know this until we started playing it, but it's kind of... Um, a disjointed uh, timeline, so it's not like, oh, she's three years old and then she's four. It's all over yeah. the place, like, um, and it's a story, and it's I don't want to spoil it, but yeah. it's like a paranormal story, and it's a. How would you describe the game? It, to me, it's just purely interactive. There's not a lot of thinking involved. You don't really have. No, it's not. It's very straight, narrow. You do things. If you fail, maybe a different outcome will happen. But I mean, there's still the final outcome is always going to be the same of that particular thing. I think I feel like it's a little bit. You're on a track. Basically. It's a little bit of a step back from Heavy Rain, even because in Heavy Rain, because you you played four different characters in Heavy Rain, and they could die. Like character number one could die because of your actions, and you're like, "Oh crap, he's dead." Now, and the game doesn't done. end. Right, it carries on with the other three characters. And then my game could be very different to your game because you could go, well, character number one saves the day at the end, and I'll go, well, character number one died in the first hour of my game. So right. it made a very different... When I talked to people about Heavy Rain, they went, they told me things like, oh, this happened, you remember that? And I'd be like, no, I don't remember any of that because that never happened. Now, there is an element of that in Beyond because... A friend of mine said, I did a particular scene and kind of messed it up. And I said to you, oh, crap, I think I messed that up. And then a friend of mine said, oh, my scene went completely different. He didn't tell me what happened, but he said, there's a lot to that scene, but you didn't see it because... Then does that make you want to do it again? See, that's the point. I think this game's made to play through multiple times. Um, Like Heavy Rain was. But you know what? I didn't play through Heavy Rain multiple times because I feel when I've played it through, well, that's my version of the story. That's what I got. Like, I don't ever kind of want to go, well, I want to see the other one or the other three stories or the other 20. I think this game said it has 27 endings. Hmm, I find that hard to believe, actually. I don't... Well, it might have, and it might be very... They might be slightly different depending on what you did. I think they're all... It compiles what you've done throughout the entire game and then gives you an ending based on several choices that you made throughout the game. So, because we messed certain things up or we were violent in one scene when we maybe should have been less violent, we might get a different thing at the end. 
But I do feel that this one's very, very linear. I feel like I'm walking down a path and a movie's unfolding. Now, that's not a bad thing because I'm enjoying the movie that's taking place and I want to see what happens next. It goes pretty... There's a... The condenser? A, a, a scene called the condenser where... I want to say what happened, but... I was like, wow, we're going that far then? Right. Like, like, okay, we have to take, really take leaps now. Because now. up to this point, yes, there's been some stuff, but this stuff is really, you know... So oh, I'm, see, I didn't feel like it was that big a deal. Eh. I feel like it was right in line with what we were doing. I, mean, I, original... I just didn't expect that much information that quickly. Like, Right. I, I expe- almost expect that to be like the end scene of the whole game. Oh, right. Well, then that tells you that your end scene might be quite... Interesting. Yeah. If that if if I really love so yeah we'll play more of Beyond tonight. Um, what do you think of Ellen Page's uh, acting? It's funny to say what do you think of somebody's acting in a game. That's oh, fine. The motion capture and everything is really good. I think. And I think I'm pretty neutral because I don't really care. I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, she says lines and they do the motion capture, and it's. I think motion capture's come a long way in games. Uh, it's the a last little bit. If you want the honest truth, it's a little bit extra pouty. It's a little bit relying on what people expect of her as Ellen Page slash Juno slash every other emotional young woman she's ever played. I think Willem Dafoe exactly knocks same. it out of the park though in his scenes. I think he's fantastic. But he's the same too. He just. Yeah, but I, I, I really, it, I almost forget that I'm watching a video game. Right. And I almost forget that I'm watching a video game when Ellen Page is acting, but then again, there are, there is some overacting from Ellen Page. Very much. And there's some where she's just real whiny, like uh, like. Oh, yep. And that. And I think that the makers overdone. of the game were so overwhelmed. I like, get the emotion. The emotion. Thrilled that they have Juno to be in their game that they don't. They have that syndrome I've talked about where directors don't have the nerve to say to this big huge star. Let's dial it back. Let's do it a little bit different. Or that doesn't... It's, but then again, they might really like the extra cheesiness. Well, I also... <laughs> She's this, not bad or anything. It's just a little too much sometimes. No, this is an interesting thing I was thinking about while I was playing it. But David Cage is a video game maker. And he's obviously got cinematic visions. And I'm surprised he's not actually made a film. Because he obviously comes across as a filmmaker from all his games. Um, but... One of the things I think is I don't find him to be a, a good director. Right, yeah. Um, I don't find him to be a great writer either. And he actually writes the dialogue. Sometimes I find the dial- David Cage's dialogue to be a bit off. And um, he's French, first off, so it might just be a cultural thing. But <laughs> um, how so? But one of the things I, I was thinking when I was playing this game was if we've got Willem Dafoe... And, you know, um, Ellen Page in this. Are we going to reach a point where we have, um, you know, Oliver Stone as directing this game? Are we going to get directors in? Not this game. But are we going to reach a point in the future where Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe is the actors and Oliver Stone is directing? Not David Cage. Not the video game man. Hmm. The director of movies who knows how movies are directed. Maybe David Cage writes it and a director directs the movie. I don't know. Because if there's a weak part of it, I think it might be his dialogue in, on occasion. Uh, sometimes he's a bit over-sappy. Yeah. And, and a very bit, stereotypical as well. And referencing other movies because it's kind of cool and stuff like that. Like 
Definitely. Um, but the story's interesting. I'm really interested to see I where it goes. I feel for her. So I you cried once. I did during the game, which I did. is people said. You know, Roger Ebert said that emotion. How can somebody be emotional about a video game story? But I wasn't playing. Remember, I was watching. True. So you're just watching a movie, really. Right. I'm not engaged with it to where I'm. You know how you you can't pay complete attention when you're playing the game. I think that your brain is engaged in different things, even if it's a cutscene or whatever. You're still on a different mode. Yeah, because you've got to be you got to be ready exactly all the time. So the emotion might just be secondary, where your brain kind of pushes it aside because you're waiting for something bad to happen. You're waiting to have to push a button, and I'm just sitting there soaking it up. Yeah, I think the graphics are amazing in some points. And yeah, I cry at things. I might sound like a bitch, and someone called me a bitch this week, but I have a heart. Yeah, <laughs> I think the graphics are like almost like next generation graphics at some points. Um. That give an example. The one called the chapter that we played well, I mentioned earlier called the condenser. Um and what they do in this game is they letterbox it like a Blu-ray. So if you've watched like um a, a movie <laughs> and we've all watched movies that are letterboxed. They letterbox means there's a black bar at the top of the right, and screen. The funny thing is I didn't really notice that letter and I still don't notice it. I don't really. either. But what it allows them to do is more special effects in the game because they don't have to render as much. So that actual scene, that condenser, where she's walking... The, the beginning part, especially, where she's walking up to the hospital and there's all the people. Yeah. It, it looks... I, I was looking at it and I was like, why does this look so good? It looks... <laughs> this isn't This isn't look like a PlayStation 3 game. This looks really good. Like, is this pre-rendered? But no, nothing's pre-rendered. It's all engine Yeah, because you're walking her up, so you could right. walk into any part of that scene. Right. So... They do some magic and voodoo with the PlayStation 3 here. Um, it is amazing looking, but there again, it's not a game like GTA 5 where you can do anything, go anywhere, where they have to make compromises. It's very... Like, here's this set road that you're going down. So yeah, like I said, good. you're on a track, basically. You have to go in certain places. You can wander around a little bit, but you have to go. Right. You know. So that's Beyond Two Souls. It's out now on the PS3. It's only on the PS3. It's like an exclusive for the PS3. So, And I think it might be the last big game for the PS3. No, Well, no. Gran Turismo 6 comes out at Christmas. Which is really odd to me that they're bringing out Gran Turismo 6 on the PS3 at Christmas when they'll have launched the PS4 at that point. And there is no PS4 Gran Turismo. I don't know why they've done that. It doesn't, um, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, it does matter because I'm the biggest fan of that series, right? <laughs> yeah. And but will I buy still. a PS3 game at that point, or will I be like, well, surely it's coming to the PS4? You know what I mean? Like at it, some point, yeah. Yeah. So there's like a, do I bother spending sixty dollars on the PS3 version, or do I wait for the shiny new version? Because will you have your PS3 unplugged by then? Uh, PS3 is a funny one. It might not get unplugged because I'm a member of PS Plus. And there's free games every month. And it doesn't end when the PS4 yeah, comes out. Why would you keep your PS3 plugged in then, if it works with the PS4? No, the PS4 doesn't play PS3 games. So all the PS3 games that keep coming free... Oh, I get you. Right. You get them on the PS3, right? I so, get you. So, and the PS, the PS Plus membership gives you PS3, Vita, and PS4 games. Right. So if you want to get your money's worth, you need all three of them there, don't you, to grab all the stuff. Clever company. 
Yep. So um, that was uh, Beyond Two Souls. It's available now. I played some more GTA Five <sighs> online. Shocking. I've played eighty hours of GTA so far. Um, but I'm playing the online mode. And last week there was a lot of problems with the online mode. You might have read about on the internet. And Rockstar were fully aware that it was kind of breaking. Funny, I didn't read about that. I was reading about a little thing called the government shutdown, True. Congress having issues. But if you're a video their, game stick fan, stick up their ass. <laughs> Um, so Rockstar had a lot of problems as most online games do teething problems because too many people are trying to play and they haven't got a big enough server so what Rockstar are doing is if you have played GTA 5 in the month of September? October October <laughs> sorry did it come out in September? can't remember yeah what it date? Did. came out last month so if you've played it in the month of October GTA 5 online you're going to get half a million GTA dollars deposited in your GTA account which is quite a lot of GTA dollars to be honest it would take you a long time to amass half a million and when you think what can I do with that half a million well you can do anything in the GTA online game you can buy a house for your character to live in you can buy a garage to keep cars in you can buy a new car you can buy a new gun there's a lot of things you can buy with that money and the way you normally get the money is you have to kind of grind to get it. You have to keep doing races and winning them. and So they're just giving you a big chunk of change to mess with, which is awesome, I think, because some people didn't even have a problem, like me. I never really had a problem. The first day, I couldn't get connected. I left it alone. Came back the day after. It was fine, if you remember. So, we're, you know, everybody who played is getting half a million dollars. And it's going to be deposited into your game in-game account in two chunks I'm not sure why they're doing that, but you'll get a bun- half of it and then you'll get another half. So, that's GTA Online. I recommend it. Um, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the new Marvel TV show that I am watching. You're not watching. No. I am watching. <laughs> it's Joss Whedon's new show and it's... it's from about Star Trek? <laughs> it's about... No, it, not Star Trek. No, from a Firefly. It's... um. And uh, um, that movie that you really liked, Cabin in the Woods. I love Classic. Cabin in the Woods. So, and Buffy. If you there is a movie, Cabin in the Woods, that balances exactly commits to being one thing or the other. It, you know it's from yeah, excellent. So this this Marvel Agents of Shield is if you've watched any of the Marvel movies, which most of you probably have if you listen to this podcast. Agent Coulson, who you will have last seen in the Avengers. And you've seen him in lots of the Marvel movies cropping up. He's one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Um, It's a show about him and his team. And the show takes place after the Avengers. So the show is fully aware that the battle for New York, as they call it, went down. And Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk rescued us all from aliens. And that is all fully up front that that happened. And it's... They almost treat that as like a 9-11 for America. And everything after that point is going to be different. So the rest of the show is there are superheroes and supervillains amongst us. We don't know who or what they are. And S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to make sure that they don't interfere with your daily lives. Oh, right. So that's what the whole show's premise is. So the first episode's like, there's a dude who bought a thing off the internet that can make you into a superhero. And it actually works. And then this guy gets kind of illusions of grandeur and wants to be, like, 
the Hulk. <laughs> and but he wants to be a good guy. But he wants to be a good guy, but he starts using these powers and S.H.I.E.L.D. can't have that happening, really, you know, because you never know where that can end up. So they have to kind of shut it down. And they're kind of like the FBI. Well, they're bigger than the FBI because they deal with paranormal and... X-Files. Very similar to that. So it's very cheesy, i got to say. Like, extremely cheesy, more <laughs> cheesy than the Marvel movies are. Um, it's very TV-ish. But then Sorry. again, the special effects are as good as the special effects in the Marvel movies, believe it or not. Wow, yeah. So, it's a mixture. You've got to get... It feels like a TV show when you're watching it, because there's obvious sets. Oh, look, they're on the S.H.I.E.L.D. plane. And the S.H.I.E.L.D. plane is a set, and that's where most people start talking to each other. You get a feeling, don't you, on a TV show? Sure. Oh, they're going to use this as the set, and they're going to use that. And it's That's only funny. been because I was just thinking, I'd like to see screenshots of like all the famous uh, living rooms of American television or British television, because like you've got royal family that's got a very distinct tele- yeah. um, living or room. Eastenders and um, like. yeah, but you don't get a lot. Like when I'm thinking of an American sitcom or animated series, because I like American Dad. I'm thinking and married with children for some reason. Yes, where you get a screenshot yeah. and you're like, and I'd like that to be a quiz. You'd right. be like, which, which one which is that? Show? Without the characters Yeah, in you've there. got like, you know. Roseanne. Yes, there are lots, they're very distinctive, Happy very days specific. Even. Absolutely. Laverne and Shirley, well, they moved a couple times, but you'd still know which one's which. And if they showed you the, the plane from S.H.I.E.L.D., you'd be like, yeah, there's S.H.I.E.L.D.'s living <laughs> yeah, room. Yeah, but planes, there's not a lot of planes. I'm but talking about living room. Yeah, but it's literally like where they're... You can tell that's going to be... Anytime they need to talk to each other, they're going to be in that lounge in oh, that plane. Right, I, I mean, it's like Air Force One. It's like a huge plane. But Do you they... can tell. This is the base of operations and then... Oh, we'll... right, okay. So, yeah, that's Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's on now. It's been renewed. I don't know how television works these days, but apparently they made nine episodes and then if people hated it, that would have been it. But people do like it, so there's going to be 22 episodes at least. What network? ABC. Right, because I'm thinking, even if networks don't like them these days, you never know. Could Netflix could pick it up, or, or yeah. I think of that as a network. I mean, Netflix or HBO, which is also a network, but still. But yeah, this Imagine is on, if it was on HBO. Yeah, and this is on ABC, and it's on in that like time slot that kids can watch the 7 to 8 one, I think. So it makes it kind of very PG. Sure. Well, it's a superhero show at the end of the day, and you do see glimpses of the Avengers. I mean, you don't like Robert Downey Jr. doesn't turn up and start talking to people, but they're mentioned as though they're right there. Like, oh, Tony's going to be mad at you for that, you know. So it's all I very. I don't know if I'd like that because that feels kind of cheap. It feels very like they're close by. Like, oh, Thor's gone to such a place, and you know. It, and the the new the new Thor movies mention like nobody's seen Thor for a while. It's kind of like oh, where's Thor gone? And his girlfriend's missing, and that's probably going to be answered in the movie. Right. It you can feel it tying into everything. I do like it though. It's, I I, I kind of like those when they mention something that happened in Iron Man two, and you're like oh yeah, he was around for that, so he would know about that, and he's telling a younger younger agent about it. But yeah, it does feel like you're always feeling like I really wish Chris Hel- uh, I mean, I really wish Tony Stark would walk in and just just at least turn up for one episode for some reason. Maybe he will. Maybe that sure. maybe it'll get so big that that will happen. Or maybe 
I was thinking, well, maybe Scarlett Johansson can turn up as the Black Widow. They didn't utilise her that much in the Avengers. Why can't she be in this? Yeah, you know? yeah. So you never know. Something might happen and I might be really excited. So, Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Tonight is going to be a leftover homemade pizza and some vegetables. I'm not sure what else is in there. But that I've got some raw spinach, but you don't care for that. But the leftover pizza, peas and corn, I'm asking. And there's some leftover broccoli. We'll stink up the joint, but that'll be good. And then uh, ice cream for dessert. And my advice, which is what I've been doing the whole time you've been talking about your video games, is to doodle more. Oh yeah, that was blank when you started. Correct. And it's not a great piece of art or anything, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you. When you pick up a pen, even when you're talking and you're engaging with someone else and you're not fully thinking about what you're drawing, or if you're on the phone, we all have done that, I think. I don't know that every single human has done it, but, you know, the doodly thing where you dot, 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 line, 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 scribble, 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 something. Or you write your name over and over. It's like your brain kicks in to something different and it's sort of liberating. And then you look and you go, oh, look at that. (laughs) Look what I scribbled. You scribble, you know what I mean? And I just think, I don't even know what the purpose would be (laughs) at all. But, like, say you can't sleep at night and you're going to sit there. You should put a link to that. (laughs) Yeah. Put that picture in the... Actually, make sure you do it. When the podcast goes up on Sunday, Uh, in the notes, in the comment section, put that picture. All right. So there was a picture created... On Facebook, you mean? No, on aschoolie.com. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. In the comments on the podcast. Yeah. So if, <laughs> if there was a picture created during the... And you you will see it if you want to see it. Yeah, and you'll be like, oh, what's so great about that? But it's not that. It's like, A, you know, sometimes my mind wanders when I'm listening to my husband talk about video games a little bit. Not in a bad way. Just like I don't give a shit about a lot of things but because I've heard it or I've already been there with it. So I have a hard time... Kind of hanging in there. But this helps me keep listening to you more. And I don't know why. I don't know why. That's what I'm saying. It's a magical thing. So you're saying video games are boring. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I see you playing GTA every day. So then to have you talk about it and explain it. I've seen it. I've been there. I don't play it. I'm you not interested. It. You don't look at. You don't look at it. You don't know that I don't stand there and watch you guys playing for minutes at a time. You have no idea. I don't feel like you do. Yeah, You'd I do. Of it. No, I watch because it's lovely to hear the two of you being so excited about trying to get my our nephew plays with him. He's seven, he's seventeen. I don't, so I don't, not always. No, no, but um, and then I stand there and I'm like, you know, oh, 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 crap, oh, ha, 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 and then you laugh and then it doesn't work and then you're both excited and where do I go? And you've got your flashlight with your book and you're trying to find <laughs> shit. And I'm just like, I find that fascinating. So then to come in here and hear you just sort of talk about it a little more clinically, maybe I'm not as engaged. Mentally with it. But beyond Two Souls, you are watching the yeah. entire playthrough. Which you don't do often. Last of Us was the last one. Mm-hmm. Walking Dead, you did as well. And that's enough. <laughs> that's enough You will like the stories rather than the game. And yeah. I, I feel that Beyond Two Souls is more story than game. And it really is. There is some game bits, but it's very... It's more story than game. I don't feel like I'm doing a lot. It's becoming an intriguing story for sure. Yes. And I want to know now what's going on. I think the chapter called Homeless was the best executed chapter so far. I mean, in emotionally, it's a little bit pat, you know, where you're like, oh yeah, of course, homeless, and people beat him up, and then you get 
looked cold. I think it was well executed because I felt for the homeless people and we'd only just met them. Yeah. You know? There's, it's well written. Yeah. I'll give it that. So it is a bit... There's bet, Some parts are better than others. Doodle more. True. So let me um, remind you about our website. It's aschoolie.com, sitzo.com. Catch us on Twitter, Facebook. Catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, and the RSS feed. Just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can catch us on Stitcher as well. And we're on lots of podcast directories. I add us to... If I find a podcast directory, I add us. So we're on a lot of them. And that's where we get a lot of the traffic, I guess. Um, and email feedback to me at aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. Unless you want to send me your doodles. Stay classy, Mr. Del Toro. And I'm still not saying your first name because I will get it wrong. Guillermo. Guillermo. But no, I, could be I always wrong. want to say Guillermo. Yeah, but the LL is a sure sign. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's like it's not tortillas. Guillermo. How do you say tortilla? Tortilla. No, I do say don't. tortilla. But that's wrong. Yes. Oh my god, you have a mental block. <laughs> and I'm going to say, think for yourselves. Or I'm going to do it for you because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>